No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. Ooh. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. I'm here, Mo. I'm here for the people, and I'm here for you. I'm here. I'm queer. I don't want any more bears. That's true. Uh, it that sounded familiar what you just said to me, Mo. And a lot of this might. <laughs> Seem familiar to the both of us because this is actually the second time that we're recording this episode. Yes, due to some audio quality issues, which uh, we're, we're still having, which we're still having, <laughs> which hopefully are not going to be so bad this time that we can't actually uh, release the fucking episode. Fuck yeah! But uh, yeah, so we had to record. Uh, we had to record again because we recorded an entire episode previously. On uh, today's subject, guinea pig one, devil's experiment, and uh, unfortunately, it was unreleasable. And we have a certain low level of quality that we're trying to reach on every episode that uh, it unfortunately did not reach. Yeah. So for you, the people, we're back. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. 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 <sighs> So uh, I want to start today's episode. Now, again, we were, I think we originally uh, recorded this like two weeks ago, so it's been a bit of a break for both of us. Yeah. Hopefully a long enough break that, uh, that we'll actually uh, – that some of this will still be feel fresh and new to us. Nope. Uh, one of the bright sides of this episode is that it's a, it's a fairly short film that we're dealing with. We're dealing with the first of the, I think, seven – uh, guinea pig films, this one called Devil's Experiment, and it is only, I think, like 42 minutes long. Yeah, it's super fucking short. Now, this might be the shortest feature. Is it the shortest feature we've ever had on No Budget Nightmares? I can't remember if Holy Moly was a little bit shorter. I, I think Holy Moly was 44 minutes. Right. So this one might be shorter. Right. And, I mean, it's officially labeled on the IMDb as a uh, as a short. So right. uh, technically this is a short that we're covering on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, Whoa. meaning that we're just we're opening up a whole new category of film here that we're able to cover. Uh, but this one was kind of a big one because uh, it's a very notorious film for a number of different reasons, uh, the biggest of which is that the uh, second film in the series was uh, given to... Charlie Sheen by Chris Gore, and uh, the, the at the time he was the editor of Film Friend magazine, and he thought it was a snuff film. He did, and uh, actually the the story was confirmed to me by Charlie Sheen <laughs> when I spoke to him on the Traumatic Cinematic uh, podcast. 
which when we had recorded previously was something that I had forgotten. I remember when that happened, right. and I remember being blown away by it, but yeah. I had forgotten that it happened completely, and it's such an amazing... <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a weird story, too. That I'll, I'll just break into it real quick, because I, you know, why not? Sure. Uh, so I was so I was scheduled to go on to Traumatic Cinematic, um, basically to help Lewis ask Linnea Quigley questions, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so so I get on there and like a minute before the show is supposed to start, she, uh, her representative calls up and says, "Oh, I'm sorry, this really sucks. I'm, I'm really sorry, but she can't make it. But we're gonna set you up with Brian Peck, you know, one of her co-stars from uh, Return of the Living Dead, who." When I heard that, I'm like, that's awesome because he plays one of my favorite characters on uh, The Last American Virgin. So I'm like, that's awesome. I want to talk to him anyway. Um, And by strange coincidence, by strange chance, he happened to be working as a dialogue coach for the new Charlie Sheen show, uh, Anger Anger Management. And like Charlie Sheen was sitting like five feet away from him and uh, must have sensed that we were talking about him and basically snagged the phone from Brian Peck and (laughs) and starts talking to us, you know, live on the air. And we're all just like freaking out. And then one of the guys who was on the show with us, you know, confronted him about that and he basically confirmed it. He said, yeah, that actually happened. We're like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting thing that he didn't just deny it because it, it is a story uh, which, I mean, even if it was, even if it wasn't entirely true, it doesn't paint him in the best light. It makes no, him naive, but needless to say, he, I mean, you know, he, given his career choices over the last <laughs> uh, several years, you know, he, he doesn't seem like the type who gives a shit about how he looks publicly. So, you know, whatever. And I mean, and that was that occurred. What that must have been like a year and a half ago, or something like that. And uh, and he was still. I mean, that was still big news that Charlie Sheen was sort of um, losing it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Saying it in the nicest way possible. Yeah. I uh, also want to before we jump into guinea pig. Uh, on the previous episode, which covered violent shit, we uh, we did our draw for the uh, Light of Blood contest. Yes, and we did. Winner, at the time, we didn't know that this was the person who had won, <laughs> but it was Josh Stewart. Hey, Bracky Wacky. No- hey, Bracky Wacky. Uh, a member of the No Budget Nightmares crew, uh, by which I mean the member of our Facebook group. And uh, he has already received his prize, and not just prize. Yes, I sent him more than just the Light of Blood DVD because I feel like our listeners deserve something a little bit extra. Yeah, like the swimmer. Yeah, like the swimmer on, on Blu-ray. But also, and I padded the package with two Dave Wascovich films. <laughs> because, including, uh, featured here on the um, on the podcast, Malevolent Ascent. Fuck My yeah. Copy. Fuck My yeah, copy Malevolent. of Malevolent Ascent. You'll now never watch I'll, it again. I'll never be able to watch it again. What a shame, yeah. right? Yeah, oh yeah. That's, I, I did not send him my signed copy of Suburban Sasquatch because, <laughs> because that's mine. Even because though why would wanted... you? Why would you? That that's a signed fucking copy just a copy of Suburban Sasquatch. I've mentioned this before on the show several <clears> times, <throat> but it's <laughs> he sent me a signed copy of a two disc special edition of Suburban Sasquatch that only has one DVD, <laughs> 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 which I thought is like that's perfect. <laughs> 
and in fact, if you listen back to the early episodes, there was one of them where we said that we were going to give away that copy that I had, but then I decided afterwards that I'd rather <laughs> just keep it. <laughs> I yeah, that's that's what I would have done too. Fuck that cool. shit. He gave it to me to give away, but unfortunately, I didn't listen. But I did give away his copy of Malevolent Descent, now yeah. belonging to Josh Stewart on the Nightmare, No Budget Nightmares group. <laughs> I forgot the name of our podcast. <laughs> on the blah, blah, the what? On the... <laughs> on the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But as previously stated, today we're going to be talking about, in a, a sort of manic way, because we're recording on a much different schedule than we normally would be, <laughs> it's during the goddamn day for one It's 12.30 on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. and, I, and I just got off of a, like an 11-hour shift. <laughs> yeah, Bo is in a manic situation. I have it, uh, I'm recovering yeah. from a cold. By the, by uh, the time this thing's done, I'm just going to be like, dead, just dead. Yeah, so it'll be different in what way? I don't know. Yeah, yeah but, well, 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 by the time this episode's over, we'll be back to normal. Yeah, we're almost. This is almost a light of blood commentary type situation. <laughs> we're, both, <laughs> we're both a little off our game. No, 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 no. We're way more prepared for this than we were for the light of blood commentary. If anything, we're almost too prepared for this episode it's, because we've done the whole thing. It's actually true. Already once. Yeah. We're well. Yeah. yeah. Yup. Yup. Now, these guinea pig films are notorious for a number of different reasons, but the main reason outside of Charlie Sheed's FBI (laughs) report uh, are that they are extremely violent, that they're shot on video, so they're super low budget, and uh, they are meant to be very disturbing, especially their first two entries. After that, the series gets a little bit more standard in the sense that they have narratives and it's very easy to, uh, to tell that they're not meant to be uh, representing reality. Well, we even go so far as to mention that, like, um, like some of them get downright. Well, not some of them, all of them, basically. After the first two, get downright silly. Because I like, I remember. Uh, I mean, because I've seen the first. I want to say I've seen the first four, mm-hmm. but I know I've definitely seen the third one, which I believe is Mermaid in the Manhole cover. Mermaid in the Manhole, right? This is Mermaid in a Manhole. Yeah, yes. Mermaid in a Manhole, which has some really, really incredibly goofy moments yeah yeah and there's one that's called he never dies which is also really comical yeah Yeah. so they're pretty light uh after the first two well they're not all pretty light but at least they have a story that allows for that yeah this first entry devil's experiment i can see why this one might have been a little bit controversial at the time and one of the things that we mentioned at the end of the previous episode that was that back if you take yourself back to the 1990s, and I know that we have some very young listeners, so you probably were very young in, say, 1997 or 1998. In the womb. In the womb, possibly. Uh, you might recall, or maybe not, that the guinea pig films at that time were seen as sort of... I use the word dangerous in the sense that you would have to mail away to get them. You'd probably get right. a fourth-generation copy of a VHS of the guinea pig one or guinea or just a random one in the series and when watched in that context on a on a grainy VHS tape you can see how this would seem really dangerous that it well, would seem like like something that you've never could have encountered in North America well that's essentially how i watched it because like the way i encountered it first was um I, it would have been like 96 97 you know at my local video store which was notorious for having you know just not notorious but like f- <laughs> famous for having like an insane just bonkers foreign film section and uh tons of bootlegs and tons of cult films and and this was one of and, like they had 
not all of them, but they had at, at least the first three or four of the guinea pig films. And I watched them in order. So this would have been the first one I watched. Um, and they were all on like second or third generation VHS, you know, because that's exactly what they did. They would tape trade, you know, so they would, they, I mean, I'm probably, I I don't even care if I get them in trouble at this point because fuck them. But, um, (laughs) you know, we're no longer on speaking terms, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, that's what they would do is they would make copies of their own movies on VHS and send them away and get copies of other movies from other (laughs) stores and from other people. So that's how I saw it first. It's and like, and so it's, it's very, um, uh, it's very akin to what the, uh, like the August underground films were trying to do. Right. But the, but, but this one's way more successful. Um, it's interesting how notorious they were at that time period, because yeah, our art, artistic or art or cult video stores would bring in copies of these movies because people had heard of them. They wanted to know what it was all about. And in the context of that, you could see how they would be really disturbing. However, in the context of 2014, not only are these movies available to us in a subtitled form, Mm -hmm. which at that point they probably, or at least they, they might not have been. Mine didn't have subtitles. But I remember moving when I moved to Ontario in 2003, we had a really great cult video store here. And probably at some point in 2004, they got the box set DVD uh, collection of all the guinea pig movies. And I couldn't believe I lived in a world where suddenly something that had seemed so out there and, and unavailable to me and something that you could only get through mail order is now available in, in you know, as perfect a copy as you can possibly really get yeah. in, in a box that I could just go literally down the street and rent copies of it. It really felt like it was a, a new world that we were entering. And so it was really strange. It was a really strange situation to be sitting down to watch these movies for the first time. And that was my first time watching them sitting down in my apartment watching a DVD of these movies. And the thing is, they're not as effective in that form. Right. And you know what the cra- you know what the craziest part is too is that like I think that the um that the at the well the first one at least it, the first guinea pig film is probably tame enough that you could probably throw it on YouTube and not have it taken down for content. Possibly because yeah. especially because there's no real sexual content. Right, it. right. Which <laughs> you it's know It's just crazy when you think about it. Yeah, well, YouTube has weird restrictions anyway. They, they do have very <laughs> weird restrictions. There are compilations of some of the most horrific, gory stuff. And real death footage sometimes you can find on there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, a little bit of nudity and they would go nuts. But it's also kind of representative of the time period in Japan and the kind of movies that they were able to make there where you could have very brutal, violent content and get this, you know, available enough to have dupes made for the U.S. market. But sex was still something where well i mean there's lots of movies that feature a lot of uh, a lot of japanese movies that feature sex but the fact that they couldn't show pubic hair the fact that they couldn't show uh, a lot of <laughs> i've seen a lot, lot of strange japanese sexual content from that time period. yeah i've seen a lot of uh, of oddly pixelated japanese porn so yeah <laughs> i know it's your preference Mo. yeah uh, so, you know it's just uh, not the same it's not the same when the pixels come off you just, you, you, I like to be able to use my imagination when I'm watching this. Right, stuff. exactly. I want to like. It reminds me of like scrambled porn. <laughs> you go really close to the screen. It's like, oh, I can make out what's happening. Oh, it's a boob! It's a boob! Oh my god. <laughs> uh, now there's 
there's also a lot to say regarding what the first film, Devil's Experiment, actually means. Uh, I mean, why was it made? What's the context? Are people supposed to get, say, a sexual thrill from it? Is it supposed to be a comment on the amount of violence, specifically against women uh, of the films of that time period? It's hard to say. And it's packaged in a really interesting way. It's packaged as a found footage film. Right. Uh, <clears throat> it, it starts with a text saying that it was honestly just discovered. It's a private video that was found under the title Guinea Pig. And the way that it's presented is just three Japanese guys torturing a woman. Right. And it's just 42 or 44 minutes of uh, of increasingly escalating violence against this person, which is almost presented uh, almost in a game show type format. I, I say that and don't think of it like Jeopardy or anything like that. Yeah, there's not like a studio audience applauding or anything like that. Right, but there's actually like uh, markers on the screen talking about the intensity of what you're watching and counting, say, the number of times that certain things happen to this woman. Right. So, so it's it it really is presented as an experiment. Uh, so it is it's a really strange movie to watch without context, and it's it's still a little strange even with context. Yeah. But yeah. but but even when I say strange, I would say that the edge of it has sort of been dulled by the fact that it is now so available and also particularly with this first entry it uh it would be really difficult to mistake this for something that's real especially at this point well yeah especially early in the film yes you know and we and we had also mentioned that this film is is entirely too edited yes you know to seem like like a like like a uh like found footage you know it there's a lot of like artistic shots and a lot of like, I mean, like we've talked about like aerial shot, not aerial, but you know, like overhead shots and like weird sort of like bizarre angles and, and weird edits and cuts. And it just, it just doesn't seem like, like, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that three guys beating up a woman would give a shit about. I mean, the very fact that those counters are on the screen right. uh, show a, a, a amount of, of post-production that, right. that make you think that, that it would be difficult to think of this as real. If anything, it actually helps disconnect you from it a little bit, which, I mean, that might be a comment in and of itself on what you're, you're watching. Mm. But it is, it's very strange that anyone ever thought to make this. Yeah. And I can see, man, if this came out in the States in the mid-'80s, there would have been a, a firestorm around it. I mean, people would have freaked out about what this means. Though it probably would have ended up in like an art gallery, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to anything else. And and I mean, I think there's you can make a case that it deserves to be treated like that because this really is even now like very little that you have seen, and it's not really trying to be. It's not trying to create a fake snuff film. It's not trying to be so real that you would think that this is real. And I should report this to the FBI or something like that. <laughs> but it's it, it's more that it's it it feels like something that's very specifically staged and pieced together. And you'll you'll get a sense of that when we start talking about it. Say right now. Yup, yup. Guinea Pig One: Devil's Experiment from 1985. Now the fact that this is shot on video also adds to kind of this weird, almost surreal feel of it. But it also is kind of it's amateurish in some ways, even when it comes to some of the performances and even how the special effects are done to some extent, though there are a couple of really effective special effects yeah. that come a little later in the movie. It's one of them being particularly notorious. Hmm. So it starts with text on the screen saying that the uh, that 
I guess the, whoever has decided to release it, uh, it said that they have uh, somehow obtained a private video under the title Guinea Pig, uh, and it's supposed to be a report of an experiment on the breaking point of bearable pain and corrosion of people's senses. Um, but it's actually really an exhibition of devilish cruelty as three perpetrators severely abuse a woman. Um, and it, it also notes that it's defined as experimental material. And it is. This is very much an experimental film. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's noted just by it, the way that it's structured and the way that uh, that it's only 42 minutes long. So the fact that it's something that has post-production and that it isn't just a one shot of something horrific happening, that starts right from the beginning because even uh, before uh, it tells us when this takes place in 1980X, the summer of 1980X. <laughs> My favorite same, year. Same year as Clash at Demon Head and, Metal, uh, and Mega Man 2. <laughs> Good year for odd things in Japan. It's true. Uh, we see it starts with some driving footage. Yeah, yeah, like we're getting like a first-person perspective of like, you know, trees passing by and, yeah. Yeah, and then we are shown a sack uh, 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 hanging from a tree. Like a fishing with, net. With like a fishing net with someone inside of it. And it zooms in and we can see that it's a woman. She doesn't seem to be struggling. We don't know the context of whether she was following a trail in the woods. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. And on a net and got pulled into it all of a sudden. Right, except for the fact that she's not wearing shoes, which would seem weird that she'd be... Uh, walking in the woods. Maybe it pulled her into the tree so quickly that her shoes flew off. I don't believe that. A la Terry Funk in that Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, there's sort of a weird soundtrack playing, very minimalist, and that's what the the film as a whole is going to be like from this point on. It, it, it Even though there are some artistic styled shots, there's really not much to the camera work. There isn't going to be much of a moving camera. There's a couple yeah. of odd point of view shots that will be coming a little bit later. But pretty much it's, it's very bare bones. And it jumps right into how the film will be structured from here on out. Yeah, what mi- you get... I was, I, I was going to say, yeah, minimalist is probably the best word to describe the film overall. It's... But very, very purposely so. Right, right. Each kind of section of this movie, it's split into a number, I think it's like seven or eight uh, sections... And each one gets a title screen, so it'll be a black screen with white text on it, and it will then introduce the the sort of area of pain that the woman is then going to uh, deal with. There are ten, so, by the way. There are ten, okay. Yeah. So the first one is hit. So we get a black screen with the word hit on it, and then it, we are introduced to what we are going to be seeing for the rest of the movie. It's sort of a, a, a nondescript room. It looks like it's in some sort of garage or something because they, they kind of close one of those... Um, uh, doors like a like on a like rental a, like a garage door like a garage door. I guess that would be pretty accurate. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and it's got one of those spiral staircases, a la the room, right, uh, which, right. which are not really used very much. And we see that there are three guys in this room and a woman tied to a chair. Uh, see, I was smart enough to not do my Tommy Wiseau impression this time. Well, so. let's hear it. No. So, sp- <laughs> so spiral staircase and uh, guys and woman in a chair and. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to introduce this by saying that we're not really making light of the fact that this is very much a film that focuses entirely on the abuse of a woman, but it's it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to take too seriously, specifically this first section, which involves uh, one of the men slapping the woman several times, and there's actually a counter on the screen counting how many times they're actually slapping her. 
it's not a very realistic slap. No, it's like one of those ones. Like, like uh, I had said in the previous recording that, uh, and I'm, that's a phrase we're going to hear a lot. Uh, but uh, that if they had shot it from a different angle, it would have been more more effective. But basically, it just looks like um, like when you when you grab somebody by the chin and then you slap your own hand. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, that's it's basically what they're doing. Although there are a couple you can tell where he does actually smack the crap out of her by accident. So, yeah. but but she's a trooper and she doesn't flinch for it. So so it actually as uh, uh, good good for her, I guess. Well, well, maybe she. I mean, she really should be flinching <laughs> since she's uh, getting <laughs> beat out of her. Fair enough. Uh, and there's a and there's a counter on the screen, so it counts to ten, and then they switch off. So each of these men are are going to slap her. 10 times and then they uh dip their hands in water and then i guess they're dipping their hands in salt i would assume i would assume it's salt it's either salt or it's sand and they like rub it in her face but either way it's it's something to cause grit so it hurts more yes uh and uh it then the counter goes to 50 and the kind of piece the resistance of this section is they put a bunch of coins in a sack and they hit her across the face right and then one of the guys goes, man, my hand hurts. All right. So the second section is, uh, as you might imagine after a hit, is kick. Ooh. Yeah. And, I mean, you get a sense at this point what you're going to get. By the way, there's very little dialogue in this movie. Uh, that's it? why we haven't been using many uh, sound clips, and yeah. we really won't. No, we only have like six. <laughs> so... And even that's very much a stretch. Yeah, it really is. And the reason being is that the, the dialogue is either her screaming or her yelling in some way or them yelling at her. And it really is like the subtitles are very much like, gee, my hand hurts after they slap her around. Right. So, yeah, so there isn't much to really relate uh, in the and, and as difficult to believe as the first section was, the kick section might be even more difficult to believe <laughs> because it starts with uh, the introduction with the title screen. And then she is once again. Uh, uh, in the chair, and she's blindfolded, and they kick her to the floor, and her—I guess her hands are tied behind her back. Right, and basically they they yell at her to get up, and anytime she goes to get up, they kick her back down again. Yeah, and this is also the only time that we get a sense of what her name is. They right. keep calling her Yeg, Y E G G. Yeah, which I mean could be some kind of like malicious nickname, right? You know, but we but we have no idea. We don't know. And I don't know enough yeah. about Japanese culture to know if that's like some kind of insult or something. Well, you're such a yeg. Yeah, you yeg. You yeg. So they keep kicking her, and every time she tries to get up, uh, they kick her to the floor once again. Get and, up! Yeah, and I mean they're being uh, abusive in terms of their language and also their actions. Right. But uh, so they, they're calling her a bitch and calling her stupid. But it is almost a little bit comical because, for one thing, there's really no reason for her to continue to try to stand up. It right. looks like she's intentionally doing it just so they can knock her down again. <laughs> and also the kicks are very – I mean, it's it's interesting that I mentioned pro wrestling earlier because it, they, they don't seem to be making much contact. There's a lot of pulled punches, if you know what I mean. That's right. And we do have a little bit of audio from this just to, to get a sense of what these guys sound like when they're being abusive. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they keep asking if she's like alive or dead, uh, and she at this point is alive. But and by the way, that, that the the audio for that clip was basically "Get up." I said, "Get up." Hey, 
get up. Yeah, right. So. And that's, I mean, it, it all kind of sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just imagine that on a loop while three guys are kicking a woman on the floor, and you have the kind of entertainment that we feature here <laughs> on a bunch of nightmares. Yeah, we watch but, this voluntarily. But shit is about to kick into high gear, Mo. Shit gets real. Shit is about to get real as fuck because we are now moving on to Claw. <laughs> Classy as fuck. Yeah, that's right. So Claw. Now, what would you think Claw is if you hadn't seen this movie? Well, I mean, obviously, if you're thinking claw, I mean, there's a couple of options. They could have had a hammer and mm. they could have been using the claw end of it. Uh, you could also have like be talking about like a razor um, sure. or uh, her being uh, attacked by an animal. Yeah. Dr. Claw or Dr. Claw. Sure. <laughs> oh, next time, gadget. Jesus Christ. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, very good. <laughs> well, it's none of those things. Mark. But it's absolutely none of those things. It is actually a uh, pair of pliers. Yep. Which, I mean, that's fair enough. It's, it, I, I there's a claw action on a pair of pliers. Yeah. So she's back in the chair. And uh, now this it starts with being shot downwards from the spiral staircase, a very uh, specifically framed shot. And her hands are sort of locked down. Yeah. And they pinch her. Ow. They pinch her with a pair of pliers, and then they pinch a little higher up on her arm, and they twist the pliers a bit. There's no special effect here. It's just on no, her skin. They're just grabbing her with a pair of pliers and twisting. It was at this point in the film that I started to think whether this was made – this movie was made to satisfy a sexual kink. Right, because there are some definite sexual-sounding noises, at least in this particular scene. Now, we want to make it clear that we're not suggesting that this is in any way uh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not. Yeah, exactly. But that, that it's, it's certainly the sounds that she makes sound somewhat sexual in this, at this point, And they aren't uh, the sort of screams that, that they will become a little bit later. But also, you know, you have to start thinking, what was the purpose of this movie? Why was it made? Was it made to disturb? Was it made to trick people into thinking it was real? Or was, was, the, was the expectation that audiences were going to get some sort of thrill outside of just seeing violence? Because especially up to this point, it's not particularly graphic. Yeah. It's just brutal. Yeah, right. So, so let's hear what she sounds like. Okay. <sighs> Damn girl. So so what we get in between um in between these little vignettes are uh random scenes of her back in the the netting hanging from the uh from the tree again, you know, which is which is just weird. It's so oddly placed because it just makes you feel I mean it just takes you out of the 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 found footage aspect of it of it again and it makes it feel more like a like a fictional piece yeah like a narrative film right and, and we we actually get a point of view shot of of the net spinning right exactly yeah we're all of a sudden we're in the uh we're in the net and it, it's not only do we get that shot with it actually then cuts to what the next segment is which is unconscious right right with a really awkward dissolve yeah, with a really awkward dissolve of her spinning in a chair. Right. She's on her knees on this on this like office chair and they are spinning her around 
uh, again and again and again, and the counter is on the screen and it counts to 100. And uh, yeah, so she's she doesn't seem to enjoy that, but I have to say that in most of the the situations in my life where I've been in an office chair, I have spun around in it. I was going to say, it actually looked fun as shit. Yeah, so. <laughs> it does look kind of fun. And I mean, you know, you kind of... Remember those uh, before they realized kids could get injured, that playground equipment that yeah, you yeah. just spin around? Yeah. And if you spin it really fast because kids are assholes you could go flying <laughs> off into some sand or into another person it's sort of like that if you're lucky there was sand yeah right that's right there's a piece of skin splitting concrete nearby uh now what isn't fun is that when they uh stop her they then pour whiskey into her open mouth mm, whiskey mm. and then they continue to spin yep so we actually have a, a moment here of uh, this. This, I guess, would have been in between the 100 mark and the 200 mark. Very uh, accurate. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't they don't tell us anything any of the numbers between 100 and 200. So, um, but this is this is a moment where she's sort of spinning, and you can kind of hear her fall over. Yeah, so you can kind of hear her fall over and then then pick her back up again. We're really proud of these audio clips, by the way. Yeah, these we have to be because there's nothing else. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so they stop at 200 and then she vomits on the floor. Yay. I mean, it's bound to happen. Yep. And then it fades to black, as it does at the end of every section. So, so far we have hit, kick, claw, and unconscious. Uh, and they've been, I mean, I'll be honest, if you came in here expecting something really explicit and and hard to watch you might be a little disappointed especially considering we're nearing the halfway mark of the movie yeah i was gonna say we're about 17 minutes into the film at this point and you know the movie's only 40 something minutes long so yeah at this point you haven't seen anything particularly bad well it is going to get more interesting at the very least though in Uh, though in fairness this does follow the tenets of found footage films where it's just boring bullshit until the last like minute (laughs) minute and a half of the film (laughs) <laughs> that's right it, it laid the rules down it really it really did next up is one of the more interesting segments of the film it's a sound yeah and uh, it goes immediately to a small kind of reel-to-reel tape recorder and uh we have a little bit of audio here and we'll play it in a second but what the idea of this is is that they're going to blast some sort of static or odd noise into her ears and they're actually putting headphones on her head and taping it to her head well first they tie it to her head they tie they t- awkwardly tie it to her head <laughs> and then they, re- then they realize that was a stupid idea so they just duct tape it but here's what the uh the sound of the tape recorder well the, what the tape recorder sounds like yeah put this on a loop for about yeah. uh let's say 20 hours <laughs> yeah go for go for about 20 hours and see if you see if you enjoy it There are some bands I listen to that sound like that. Yeah, right? I mean, like I said, I think on the last recording, you know, I've listened to Metal Machine music. If you put that on for a few hours, it'll probably be about the same thing. Exactly. And uh, in this segment, uh, again, there's a little bit of post-production where it shows her at different time periods. So it shows her at the five-hour mark, the 10-hour mark, and the 20-hour mark. And at the five-hour mark, she's just sort of screaming the whole time. Yeah. Uh, And then at the 10-hour mark, she's just sort of kind of twitching and convulsing. While at the 20-hour mark where they finish, she has really just stopped moving entirely, and she's just drooling. Yep. 
If someone wanted to torture you, Mo, with a uh, a piece of music, what would be the best one to use? Well, they already do for 10 hours at a time at work, so uh, I'd say pretty much anything they play at work. What kind of music do they play at work? Now, uh, as uh, longtime listeners might recall, Mo works in a sex shop that tends to be uh, visited by a lot of gentlemen. It's very homosexual friendly. Very homosexual friendly, yeah. and they have booths and stuff that Mo has to clean. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, he is a, a nudie booth cleanse person. You know, I'm not going to – well, jizz mopper is really the jizz term. Jizz mopper <laughs> yeah. is what I was looking for yeah. there. Um, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, like I wish they would play more stuff that is more, like, stereotypical, like, gay man sort of thing. You know, like, well, seven, like fucking disco and, like, uh-huh. dan- dance music and stuff because that would be fun. I would, I would actually really enjoy just being engulfed in, like, disco music all day. But no, they they play like fucking like shitty like hip hop and I mean like they don't even play any good hip hop. It's all just shitty hip hop and fucking like top forty hit stuff. And they play some really inappropriate stuff at work, you know, like fucking like Willow Smith, you know, like like she's like twelve, yeah, crazy inappropriate. And they play like they, there's like a One Direction song that comes on all the time. So and, wait, so this is a playlist? Yeah, plays? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a Muzak station, you know. That's 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 set up in our corporate office and like wow yeah <laughs> what now you have me thinking about your corporate office <laughs> well we are a national chain i mean that's right yeah, that's, that's right. right oh what would the gentleman like while they're but masturbating it's, but it's or so, having sex with each other yeah oh i and then some person points their finger to the sky and goes i know they want to listen to five seconds of summer <laughs> yeah, which which is actually one of the bands that plays at work and it's just bonkers because like 14 year old girls love them that's very strange it is very yeah. strange all right well i guess that's enough commentary on this <laughs> <laughs> uh because we're getting more intense here in the guinea pig film yep. with uh, the next section skin now, if someone, uh, if, if you knew now at this point what the structure of this movie was, and they said that the next one was skin, what would you think was going to happen in it? I would have assumed they were going to be doing something to her skin. Yeah, maybe even pinching it like they did earlier. Yeah, 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 with pliers. Yeah, uh, and they are using pliers in this section, yeah. but it's not what you might think. In fact, they're using two pairs of pliers. One gentleman is holding the woman by her hair and yeah. pulling back on it, while the other is pulling at her fingernails. Uh, from the front, and they're yanking her fingernail out. Yeah, which is crazy, because if you think about it, if they had switched the titles for Skin and Claw, it would have made more sense. Right, they're yanking her claws out. Right. With claws. I'm saying. Yeah, there's a there's a sequence in, in Rock, Paper, Scissors to follow the original six, which uh, was unbeknownst to me at the time, a tribute to this scene. Where <laughs> in, fact, it, in fact, it's still unbeknownst to you. <laughs> but, so, yeah, so they're yanking her fingernails out. This is unpleasant. Not no, We're not trying to downplay how unpleasant it is. But it's not even graphic. But it's not graphic because there's no close-up. Yeah, All they, it is this wide shot. Yeah, they just they just have this scene where you sort of like, yeah, you're, you're, the camera's way far back and like the, the pliers sort of pull away from the, the hand, but it's cuts almost immediately. And like you don't see any like blood splurting, you don't see the nail, you know, on the on the pliers, you don't see any of that. It's now, just we're not saying this from a perspective of disappointment. No, 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 no. no. I'm just I'm, I'm just explaining that that's what happens. Like it's like it just it doesn't like it makes it seem even less real because you'd think if these guys were pulling out fingernails, they would want to show it off a little bit. 
Yeah. And they don't it, at all. And, and the fact that there's just one, it seems like they just got bored with it. It's like, yeah. let's take a fingernail out. Ah, that's not ah, it's, uh, I was expecting more out of that. Let's move on to Moe's favorite part of the film. Oh, God. Next up is Burn. Yeah, this was definitely... Burn. Definitely the the one that affected me the most the first time I saw it. Uh, it still affected me pretty much the same this time around. But uh, you know, but of course now that I'm sitting here thinking about it and it's not like fresh in my brain, you know, from like it was two weeks ago, it's uh, like I can't really, I don't really care quite as much. If there's a real psychological element at play here, because you don't. As you might imagine, what we're going to see is something poured on her that is going to burn her. In this right. case, some boiling oil, which we see kind of uh, on, a, on a burner as the segment starts. Right. And they drop a chopstick in it so you can see that it's, it's super fucking hot. Yeah. And she's laying down now on what appears to be like garbage bags. And they're going to come over with, at different temperatures and drop this oil on her. And now <laughs> you get the impression that it's hot because there's a certain amount of like steam and also they, uh, there's some pretty nasty looking burn effects that are shown. But at first, it really is just water being poured on somebody. <laughs> so, I mean, you really have to use your imagination. Oh, gosh, this is a 70 degree uh, oil being poured on her and she's screaming but I mean you know we're used to it we're, we're, we're movie watchers we can well I don't think I don't this. I don't think it's just water I think it was cold oil it, yeah it probably yeah. right, right. It, it might even have been heated a little tiny bit or yeah, something like that I doubt nice it warm oil. I just like going to the massage yeah the but yeah like with the but, but when they pour it on her the first time like all it really does is redden up the skin a little bit mm. you know it doesn't really even do that much it's when they it's when they put it back on the burner and they pump that shit up to 150, you know, that's when it starts to get pretty pretty rough. Yeah, and then we get some close-ups of, of burns on her arm. Yeah. And you know, shit's about to get graphic. It's yeah. about to we're we're you know, let's see if these bastards can do 90. I love I love how in your notes here she goes she growls like a muppet. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, Mo has deleted his own notes, so he's using mine. But yeah, she does. She makes like a muppety sound. Yeah, ge- generally speaking, when uh, when we're done when, when we're done recording an episode, I just I I generally tend to destroy the evidence. You know, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't actually want someone just kind of accidentally opening your text file of burn. <laughs> chopstick boiling in oil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it then fades to black because we're about to kick it up to Worm. Mm. And uh, it, it's not actually, even though it's called Worm, we're not actually dealing with worms here. Worms <clears> are pretty <throat> gross, but yeah. what's grosser than worms? Maggots. Mag- maggots. <laughs> oh, it's a black hole, maggots. Someone's been playing Nightmare. Yes, that's right. We see uh, like a strainer full of maggots, and uh, yeah, we're about to... Have some maggot play, and they're real, by the way. This isn't uh, like uh, pieces of rice or something like that. Yeah. We have real squiggling maggots that are going to be first put on her burn, gross, and then all over her face. Well, actually, it's been pr- scientifically proven. If you you know, like if the, they were just trying to like dis uh, clean the wound, you know, they were put, yeah. put they put the maggots on there. It eats the dead flesh. It makes the wound uh, that that much better. I think maggots are the most underrated of of creatures uh, because they do so much good. Yeah, they do a lot of good, but they're still disgusting as they hell. They are so. disgusting, and they're gross, and I would not want to have a shitload of them. They, 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 they almost 
they, they shake the maggots on through this trainer yeah. <laughs> very delicately at first, but then they kind of just go nuts. They're just dropping her, dropping them all over her body. Uh, and there are close-ups. We see that there are maggots on her face, and she is a trooper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, we've watched Lucio Fulci movies. We know that actors will stand. Some of them will stand having maggots put all over them, but it's still, I do feel bad of her. Bad of her. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Me talk much good. <laughs> I still uh, fuck. <laughs> I still feel bad for her simply because uh well then again I guess you know she's been immortalized in this guinea pig movie so you got to give her that yeah. but nobody wants maggots put on their face. It's true. That that's one of the rules of no budget nightmares. Nobody wants maggots on their face. Yeah, and no one doesn't like Sarah Lee. That's right. Exactly. It's true. Unfortunately, she doesn't get to enjoy delicious <laughs> no. Sarah Lee cake. Instead, we get a close-up of her face while uh, it flashes to close-ups of the maggots. Maggots. Maggot. Uh, and, you know, if she didn't like having that shit on her face, then she's really not going to like what's coming next, which is guts. Guts. Not the Nickelodeon show. <laughs> Global. <laughs> but, uh, but, but guts, like actual innards and entrails. They... Uh, this movie briefly turns into a Todd Sheets movie uh, as <laughs> as a bunch of organ meat gets thrown onto her face and body. No, it's a, it's a Todd Sheets movie in reverse because right. normally in a Todd Sheets film, they're pulling guts off of someone's body. And in this case, they're, pull, they're throwing the guts onto someone's body. Yeah. And I mean, these guys are having a great old time. They're laughing their asses off as they just toss guts at her now it, it is it actually this this is one of those scenes that 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 kind of cracked me up because like it's clear that they're just trying to see if they can get her to flinch you know yeah, she's supposed she's supposed to be passed out right you know and they're just chucking the like this fucking raw meat like at her face <laughs> just now just imagine for a second mo that you were just like someone came to your house and you were like yeah, you guys want to watch a movie before dinner? And they're like, yeah. And you just turn on this scene. Of Japanese guys throwing meat at a woman's face while she's unconscious. Giggling. Like, oh, oh, sorry. I was watching that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mean, meanwhile, this is going on in the background. Oh, are we listening to something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just strange japanese men giggling yeah no they're having a great old time yeah. no doubt about it and by the way that, that's an element of this movie that probably might be the most disturbing thing is that they're enjoying what they're doing so much right but it's also strange because even though they're enjoying it you don't get the sense that you get the sense especially in a, in a little bit that that they that it's just something that they're doing for kicks and then they get tired of because there's one of them in in in, uh, in uh, one of the upcoming segments you see one of them just laying on the ground just kind of sick of it all i guess they're just tired <laughs> not not like not like bothered by what they're doing so i mean i guess it could be a comment on the fact that that you know uh young punks are assholes yeah yeah so they're throwing guts at her face <laughs> <clears throat> yeah by the way this Again, speaking of this segment, I like to think that people who don't really care for fake cult or exploitation movies, who just know me and know that I talk about that, that this is the, this is what they think I'm watching all the time. <laughs> it's just it's just nonstop Japanese men throwing meat at a woman's face. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they really 
they really cover her with goo and goop and guts. And at one point, she suddenly wakes up and starts uh, screaming. Starts screaming. Now, Mo, here's a question for you. Would you prefer to be covered in organ meat or covered in maggots? Organ meat. Yeah, me too. So it actually, guts probably should have came before worm, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess guess it doesn't make sense because, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't really see the, the, the maggots on her anymore after that scene. So I guess it would be fine. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I think the big kind of element. of that <clears throat> maggot... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I think the big kind of element of that maggot section was it being on her burn. So I guess it makes sense right. that they follow it up. But yeah, so the guys, by the way, are wearing rubber gloves and masks because, you know, safety first in these kind of situations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're like... Uh, three quarters of the way, maybe even a little bit more of the way through the movie, and this is the point where you are probably wondering, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, exa- like, exactly. At this point, like nothing. Per- I mean, except except for maybe burn, you know, right. and like some of the more gross aspects of of like worm, you know. But like, there's nothing nothing particularly disturbing has happened yet. Except for the fact that this thing exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the idea of it has been, at this point, more disturbing than what we've actually seen. Right. And there's been very little special effects because outside of the burn makeup, you don't really see anything. Maybe some bruises and right, things like right. that. Uh, that. It's all been sort of real. So now things are about to change in a really kind of strangely paced way where first we get a shot once again of the woman hanging from the net in the woods. And you see a guy there with a sledgehammer running towards her right now we haven't we haven't gotten a new title screen yet this is all still technically part of guts yes absolutely yeah. and it, it it's uh, the structure of the movie kind of goes off the rails a little bit here because you get that yeah. you don't see that sledgehammer actually do anything but then it cuts back to uh the room and we're seeing a close-up of her hand right because it makes it because it just it just creates more questions because you're like oh so maybe they did catch her and this is how they knocked her out or right or maybe or maybe this is a different person altogether because like we never really see the person's face you know in the net so like we don't really know you know who's in there it's it's just odd a lot of very important questions here yeah (laughs) uh but now we get what would be uh some of the more gruesome Elements, and I mean, there's really only five minutes left, so enjoy them while you can. Yeah. The first thing you get is uh, a close-up of the hand and a knife cutting into the hand, like a scalpel cutting into the kind of the the mid, uh, like the hand palm down, cutting the top of the hand, and right. it's a really effective effect. Because especially, as, as, especially the way it starts bleeding. Yes, the yeah. the way that it bleeds is actually very realistic, and it's. It, I mean, I'll be honest, it's very uncomfortable to look at, and then it gets kind of. <laughs> they a little, sort of a little silly. It gets a little silly because suddenly a hammer comes out and slams into the hand. Yeah, and the thumb wobbles around as if it didn't have bones because it doesn't. I mean, it's a good-looking hand at first. But... None of the hand. While they're holding the hand, it's gorgeous. It's a it's a great prosthetic. It's an awesome prop, you know. But uh, and when they cut into it and it starts bleeding, it's awesome. When the hammer comes down on it and all the fingal fingles 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 <laughs> <laughs> when all when all of the fingers you know start flopping around like you know like fucking fish you know it's just it. It just it you lose it right there, like fucking fish. I don't like when they built the prosthetic hand. I don't know why they didn't just p- 
put like a little skeleton inside of it, something to hold, make it a little more rigid. It's just, I mean, this is just a fucked up sequence anyway. Well, yeah. for a number of different reasons, but right. just the idea that they're going to start with the slow cutting of the hand right. and like not, not, not like not like an abusive like slice, slice, slice. Just a slow cut, yeah. and then suddenly, boom! For yeah. no reason at all. <laughs> Schmack. And that transitions into the final segment of the film and probably the most notorious aspect of this movie that would probably be given away by the poster art or cover of the DVD that it we're is, going to be seeing. It is kind of funny how it's how it's the most shocking scene, but it's also the one that's given away on the cover. Yeah, so you know what's... But also, I mean, what else are you going to show, right? <laughs> that's true, because, yeah, what are you going to show? The fucking fingers flopping around? So uh, this segment is called Needle, and uh, probably a lot of you listening already know what to expect here, but what you get is the woman who is now passed out in a chair, probably because someone hit her hand with a hammer, (laughs) and they have like an electric drill in the background for some reason. I guess it's supposed to be tightening her restraints or something like that, and... um, No. (laughs) No? No, it's an angle grinder. They're they're sharpening the needle. Oh, right. They're sharpening the needle. You're right. That makes a lot more sense than what I just said. <laughs> so then they lay her head. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, so they lay her head back and they clamp her neck down. And there's a gag over her mouth, which is a kind of strange considering that they didn't really care what sound she was making up to this point. Yeah, right. So, yes, they were grinding the needle because it needed to be very sharp. Super sharp. Because this is, now this is a really – Good effect, if if good is the word to use, where they are going to pierce through her temple with this needle. So it goes through the temple, and then there's a really close up of her eye as it wells up with blood, and then the a needle comes out through her eye. Yeah. Now I don't know about you, but I have a very hard time watching like eye trauma like mm-hmm. in film. So for me, this is a super effective scene. Because like you're just you're watching that eyeball and it's kind of moving around, you know, because of uh, of what's sort of happening on the inside, you know. Right. But that little bit of movement makes it look so much more real than it would have been if it wasn't, you know. And yeah. the and the and like the the eye socket is is welling up with uh with, with blood and that looks super realistic. And then the fucking needle just comes, poop. Right out the other side of the eyeball, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, yeah. If if you have difficulty with eyeball violence, yeah, or, I, mean, I think anybody would be would would find this really unpleasant to watch. No, it's very but, it's very hard to watch. The very the, the very fact that you see the needle go into the through the temple, but then you get that kind of sustained shot of the eye as blood just wells up, and you just gotta gotta imagine what's happening before it exits out. Yeah, before the you eye. even see. Yeah. So this is a really effective. And it's really unpleasant to watch. And it's, you know, they probably was smart to end with that because where do you go from there? Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's gross. And uh, the Japanese should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> <laughs> for foisting this on a unwilling populace. No, I mean, it's um, one thing that you'll hear a lot about these movies is that in some ways they're done as effects demos. Uh, and in fact, one of the movies is, uh, is a behind the scenes of the whole series where they actually show how some of this was made and they go through some of the effects and you can see that people are having a good time as they're making it somehow. Yeah. Uh, which is, is kind of reassuring when you see something like this, which is just meant to be thoroughly disgusting and unpleasant. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's basically the end of the movie. 
we get a little bit of black and white footage of her hanging in the net. Now, it's hard to tell at this point if she's supposed to be dead. I imagine she is. Yeah, but again, but again, we don't even know if it's necessarily her. Yeah, that's true. Just somebody in a tree. And maybe it's the next victim. Ooh. And we get a little bit of music in the background. And uh, then you get a little uh, text on the screen, just like at the beginning, which says, uh, very Summer of the Massacre. Well, let, like. well, let's just play the music first. Sure. Yeah. And you get a good sense of what we mean when we say very minimalist, because there's really yeah. not a lot going on here. But the very fact that there's any music at all is kind of strange. Right, exactly, because that because music in and of itself screams post-production. Right, and then it ends with text that says, The details of this experiment were missing when I received this video, but the name, age, and other information on the woman and the three men, says man, in this video are under investigation. Yep. I wonder if that investigation is still ongoing, Mo. Well, I mean, it's probably as ongoing as the uh, the FBI investigation for uh, because of uh, Mr. Sheen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll keep a close eye on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that, that is the end of the the first guinea pig film. And I could see if you were if you were just sitting in someone's house and they were like, "Hey, you got to see this," and they put this on, and you had no expectations that you'd never heard of it before, it could really freak a person out, especially because of the way it escalates and because it feels so foreign while you're watching it. And imagine watching it, especially with. No, yeah, th third generation VHS, no subtitles, exactly. No subtitles where it just feels like something that you're not supposed to be watching. Seeing it in, in kind of a, a, a digital format with subtitles, all of those are kind of distancing mechanisms right. that make it a little bit less effective. Right. But you can imagine that, that people got really freaked out seeing this in certain contexts. Yeah, I mean, I, and you also have to remember that we're also older and a little bit more yeah. jaded than yeah. Yeah, we, we host a, a podcast called No Budget Nightmares. Yeah, I was gonna say we we've, we've seen some shit. This is some pretty calm shit, comparatively speaking. <laughs> this is nothing compared to fucking science crazed. <laughs> but also, I mean that that this the existence of this movie gave other directors, and even American directors, especially when it became a little bit more popular in the 90s in the U.S., license to do really fucked up shit. <laughs> like, like Things like the August Underground movies yeah. owe a lot to something like Guinea Pig, to the point where uh, currently, and it's interesting that, that the timing worked out on this, uh, there's a American Guinea Pig movie currently being made. Yeah. And both Mo and myself are a little bit cynical about this whole idea. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I am very cynical about the idea of like an American guinea pig film. But I mean, here, here's, here's where I'll leave it. I'm, I will probably end up watching it, and I'll, fa I'll base my final decision, you know, on it when I, when I finally sit down and watch it. I feel like the foreign elements of these movies are a really important part mm. of them. Uh, and certainly no one is going to mistake an American guinea pig film as something real. So all it can be is a collection of unpleasantness and uh, high-quality special effects right. put together. And, I mean, there's, there's 
you know, there's something to be said just for that. I mean, it, even though it's not really my bag, uh, there's lots of people who enjoy just seeing women being tortured on film. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, frank, frankly, you know, the the gore effects were like my are are generally my favorite part of the stuff that they typically call torture porn. You know. Um, like the hostile films, that sort of thing, you know, not like, to be confused with mo porn. Yeah. Not to be confused with mo porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this first American Guinea pig, uh, film, apparently they're going to continue it as a series is called American Guinea pig bouquet of guts and gore. Bukaki of guts and gore. I mean, we should mention that the director of photography on that, uh, on the first film, uh, will be Jim Van Beber. So, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to be cynical and and look at the, who is involved with the film, but at the same time, it's very easy to be cynical at the concept in and of itself. Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, I think so many of the low budget movies we see are tributes to things that came before, or are really, really heavily influenced by uh, by especially exploitation movies that the people have seen. That it's hard not to be a little cynical to see right. what are, what is really just an imitation. That said, there's some real talent. There's a there's a lot of talent. I mean, like it's it's a pretty pretty well known fact that both you and I are big Jim Van Beber fans. So yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, I'm I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt. It's just that it, it and I don't feel like I'm not cynical in the sense that I feel like it's a cash grab or anything like that. Mm-mm. But it's very much like you know uh, I don't know what what the final what will what you'll be able to get out of the final product. right exactly. Though th- that said, it seems like a logical extension of the kind of movies that have been coming out where they really have just become more and more explicitly violent. Right. So that's it. The first guinea pig movie. Now it's possible in the future we'll return to this series. Uh, this It's not something I'm necessarily chomping at the bit. Yeah. I'm champing at the bit. Chomping. It's champing. Chomping. <laughs> Audience, go out there and look it up and prove Doug wrong. <laughs> Wait, I'm looking at a site now which is champing at the bit versus chomping at the bit. <laughs> and this says, uh, the idiom is usually written chomping at the bit, and some people consider the spelling wrong, but chomp can also mean to bite or chew noisily. Uh, so chomp at the bit means roughly the same as champ at the bit. Right. but uh, So I'm right. Okay, good. So I don't, <laughs> that's not how I would have interpreted what I read. I interpret everything as I'm right. So. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so, yes, we may return to the guinea pig series, but it's not something we're champing at the bit to do necessarily <laughs> i'm not rushing to get back into this i mean uh, maybe at some point we'll watch one of the later ones that are a little more right. silly that that have a little bit more kind of uh plot to but them. but <laughs> but frankly i frankly i'd like to cover a couple more uh films that are in english before, yeah, this, before... this is our third in a row that uh are foreign and also our first non-german yeah. foreign film here on no budget nightmares so uh it's time to go back yeah, we need something that's in English so we can start getting some more like audio clips, you know, that, well, shit that people can understand that's not basically just, hey, 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 ha, you. Ha, ha. <laughs> With that in mind, I have chosen a doozy for the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. See, this is going to be news to me because I actually forgot what we said we were going to be covering. So well, let's <laughs> let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um we're actually returning back to the Bloody Nightmares box set of 100. Oh, I remember now. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> of 100 <laughs> films that was one of the inspirations for this podcast from the beginning. 
because both Bo and I own it. Um, <laughs> heaven help us. Heaven help us. This is a movie I've actually seen before. It's from 2003, directed by Jim Haggerty. It's a little number called I Dream of Dracula. <laughs> right, because we wanted to incorporate. We wanted because I remember I remember the conversation we had where we wanted to find something a little bit out of the horror realm. That's you right. Know, because we put we put the word out, you know, to, to ask for suggestions, and literally everything that was given to us was horror. Which makes sense. I mean, that is the the audience that we are really and that's uh, fine aiming for. That's a hundred percent fine. We have I have no problem with that whatsoever. But I remember us thinking about how like you know how like hip hop locos or how like kindergarten ninja, you know how they're not they're not horror films. You know they're they're redneck county fever. Redneck county fever exactly. Uh, human behavior, even though it was a pile of shit. Um, (laughs) you know, like they're, they're not, they're not horror films. They're, you know, thrillers or comedy or whatever, you know, or action films, you know? Um, so I mean like it it was, it's, it's interesting to get out of the world of horror, uh, or like here, uh, like wouldn't I even like here I, uh, here I am, uh, dot, 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 dot now. That's not what it's called at all. Or, Or I am here or whatever the fuck that movie is called. God, I can't fucking remember. Now. I just, yeah, I just remember it's dot 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 or, now. Or one, right? Because I mean that was uh, that one was a really pleasant a surpri- a surprise. Which one? Kung Fu Killing Spree. Oh right, yeah, it's exactly Kung Fu Killing Spree, which was amazing. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's it's nice to get outside of the genre occasionally. Yeah. And I'm glad that we did uh, reach out to people for suggestions. We have a really great list. Real great to list. Go from. That said, we this movie is not on that list at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I can tell you. Well, but but well, but if you remember though, the last time we we uh, reached out to that to the to the audience for suggestions, we've covered almost all of the movies that they asked that they told us to. Yeah, we we so. really we we've, we've really taken a, a big chunk out of that list. Yeah. So it's great to have more to kind of go with. Right. But uh, I can tell you, I watched I Dream of Dracula many years ago. In fact, I wrote <laughs> about it. If you search I Dream of Dracula on Google, you'll find my review of it from like 2009. Yeah. Uh, and I recall, if my memory serves me right, it being fucking awful. <laughs> yes! But uh, on IMDb, it has 5.4 out of 10 from 53 user reviews, so maybe I'm four, wrong. Maybe. Four, 49 of which are the cast and crew. Yeah, right? So uh, Jim Haggerty directs I Dream of Dracula. Jim Haggerty has re- continued to make low-budget movies to this day, so uh, so he's sort of a, a, an old hand. But this was one of his first movies. It'll be very interesting to see something that I mean. I will say that I Dream of Dracula has comedic elements. It's not a straight horror movie because it is called I Dream of Dracula. <laughs> so, uh, so at least we're we're. Uh, it's going to be nice to get away from the gore for a little bit, right? To something fucking awful. Well, I mean, th- think about it though. I mean, we all, we always enjoy like comedic horror films. I mean, if you look at almost any of like Todd Sheets' films, they're all. They all have comedic elements to them, so I mean, it's you know we're we're definitely okay with with comedy horror. Although back I'm, to the heights of Todd Sheets. Although I'm sure that this this one is probably going to be a piece of shit. But no, I, no, 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 no. I'll res I'll reserve judgment until I actually watch it. That's all I ask is that you reserve judgment. Yeah. That's all I ever ask. Although secretly I'll be judging you the entire time I watch mm-hmm. it. Absolutely, you should judge me for having uh, chosen this. <laughs> Mo, uh, before we finish up this episode, yep. uh, which hopefully will get released, no, no, this this one this one wasn't. I mean, from from what I remember, 
uh, of the audio issues with the last one. This one hasn't been having nearly as many, but the but the ones we have been having have been a little bit more catastrophic. Yeah, we're gonna piece something together. Yeah. We apologize in advance, though it's not in advance. You've already listened to the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> if this ends up not being uh, up to our usual standards, we'll find a way to fix that shit. But uh, We'll make it up to you yeah. with the next one. Yeah, with the next one on I Dream of Dracula, which I'm sure we're going to be champing at the bit to get our opinion out. <laughs> uh, yep. well, if uh, people want to find out a little bit more about no budget nightmares. How should they do that? Well, I mean, I think the best way is, of course, to go to uh, facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares and join in the conversation. There's always good conversations going on. Recommend a movie for us to cover. Right. Recommend a movie for me to write about over on dailygrindhouse.com. Just recommend shit, man. We need to hear from you. Or hell, if you're a filmmaker, come on and you know promote pr- promote your movie. I mean, we don't come on a over, shit. man. Just don't try to sell us shoes. Yeah, just or sunglasses or sunglasses or purses. We, we or are we're careful about who we let in. Yeah, just prove prove to us that you're human. That, that's all. That's all we ask. Yeah. Prove that you're not a robot. Right. Exactly. It's easy. And there's always there's always some interesting conversations going on there. Uh, and there's always I, always little appearances by some of the filmmakers of uh, some of the films covered on the show, which is so weird and bizarre and surreal. And there's always pictures of Jerry Angel there. So I mean, you know. <laughs> modern Jerry, <laughs> modern Jerry Angel. Uh, you can also find both Mo and myself on Twitter. He is at drunk on VHS, yep. all one word. And I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to subscribe to No Budget Nightmares, you can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com. There's links to iTunes and Stitcher. You can also look look at or listen to all of our previous episodes. I might recommend our Necromantic episode, which has both one of Rue's best songs, I think. It really does. Uh, and also, uh, there's recently been a Blu-ray release of Necromantic. A lot of people are getting back into that movie. Hey, why not watch the movie? Then listen to us talk about it. It's a really great episode. And also foreign, just like this one. Yeah. German. Though there's more more talking going on that we can translate yeah. in that one, thankfully. And there, but, there's uh, plenty of conversation about the proper way to pronounce the director's last name. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, it's Butgreit. 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 Uh, yes, but with that, we're going to be back to the U.S. next time. I'm sure you're all very relieved to hear that. Uh, and we're getting more modern. I Dream of Dracula from 2003. A fine, uh, a fine year for film. A fine, probably the greatest year. Right when I think of the greatest the year, year, is that the year where X versus Sever came out? I can't remember. Oh, Ballistics but, X versus Ever. Yeah, Ballistic X versus Sever. Actually, that was 2002. Ah, oh, missed it by that. Damn. <laughs> but uh, I think. Oh, Mo, have you seen anything interesting before you go to bed? Not really. No. All right, that's good. I did watch the. Um... <coughs> I oh, that sounds. Down. That sounds interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Ugh, I just copped up some disgusting stuff. Gross. Um, <laughs> I'm recovering from a cold. Uh, I just wanted to say that I recently saw the documentary Eurocrime from Mike Malloy uh, about uh, crime films from Italy. I really want to watch that. And uh, I just watched it over the last couple of days. Uh, it should be a review coming up soon on Daily Grindhouse, and I really liked it. I'll tell you, that's one of the blind spots when it comes to genre filmmaking. I mean, I, and it's really strange that it is because a lot of my favorite Italian filmmakers and uh, stars are in these movies, mm. and I just I've seen so few of them. But uh, there's so many great anecdotes. You got Henry Silva and John Saxon and Fred Williamson, and they're 
I'll tell you, man, when you see interviews with these guys, they tend to be not necessarily so engaged. Yeah. But in this movie, they're really into it and they're yeah. telling lots of great stories. You know, it's funny. You like like that right there is just like it's like a short list of some of my favorite like 70s actors. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's really and, and and not just obviously Americans, lots of Italian uh directors and writers it's a real it's a really fun long documentary it's over two hours long so mm. definitely check that out as well uh and also uh now that it's available on demand everyone should go out and see from uh from draft house films why don't you play in hell which is the best movie i saw at tiff last year and one of the best movies i've ever seen and if you like no budget filmmaking even though it's not a no budget movie you are going to love it because it is a celebration of the kind of spirit that makes those movies possible. Yeah, I still need to see that too. You are going to see it. I'm going to make. I'm literally going to everybody's house and sitting down with them and watching. Is <laughs> well, that I... a show sketch where they're watching like pirate videos and they say that uh, if you say if you say a certain thing that uh, to the person who delivers the video, they will come and sit down and watch it with you. That's <laughs> what I will be. I will sit down and watch the movie. <laughs> I'll laugh at it every single time. Uh, well, I'll definitely I'll definitely check it out. It's lengthy. It's it, again. It's it's over two hours long. But uh, and some people say that it's too long. But those people are quitters. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no such thing as too much of a good thing. Uh, you know, people said that the that the raid uh, two was too long too. But those people are idiots. because that movie's fucking amazing. Take it from the perspective of people who watch movies a lot of the times and fast forward because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nothing happens in them. Yeah. Uh, these movies, there's shit happening feel good about that there's something to, to look at <laughs> hey, hey 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 doug how how fast did you watch guinea pig no no i watched that in real time and it's only 42 minutes long uh, I, w- also, I watched i watched that in double speed <laughs> well i was able to because I, it, it is one of the rare movies on no budget nightmares where i could take the notes while it was playing which usually there's a lot of stop start because yeah. of because of writing our lengthy detailed notes i was i was able to i was able to watch it in in 1.5 speed and take detailed notes. We're really, we're really going behind the scenes here. Yeah, we're getting a little, you know. Yeah, we're we're stepping out. Uh, maybe, maybe stepping sh- out maybe tonight. Cut the, maybe, yeah. Well, you know what? That just seals the deal. We should probably cut this part out. <laughs> uh, let's stay tuned for a new song from Rue, which I haven't heard yet. I'm very curious to hear how he's turned this movie into a song. Mm. Yeah, but listen to that, and we shall be back soon good night folks you tell me with touch you tell me with money you tell me with everything that you feel deep in you I can't help but get a kick from the things that you tell me It's too early to sleep And no way I could notice That you clawed my heart and my mind And right down to my soul Till I cry to the skies That you've learned so much from me Though I've only just met ya You can't leave, I won't let ya I try not to hide how I feel from my face and you know the corrosion of sense that takes place The summertime 
I can't see the trees for the forest I've lost my mind And I can't hear the words of the chorus I hear a sweet sound I can feel my touch on your skin And the passion that burns me Your love worms right through me And deep in my gut I know you can begin as my I try not to hide how I feel from my face And you know the corrosion of sense that takes place I try not to hide how I feel from my face And you know the corrosion of sense that takes place